When I'm not hosting this podcast, I am writing books, but it is really hard for me to write when I'm at home, so I like to find remote cabins in the middle of nowhere to just hang out and write. But I hate the idea of my house just sitting empty, doing nothing but collecting dust and definitely not collecting checks. And that's why I'm an Airbnb host. It's one of my all-time favorite side hustles. Other popular side hustles are awesome too, don't get me wrong, but they often involve big startup costs. By hosting your space, you're monetizing what you already have access to. It doesn't get easier than that. And if you're new to the side hustle game and you're anxious about getting started, don't worry because you're not in this alone. Airbnb makes it super easy to host. I mean, if I could do it, you could do it. And your home might be worth a lot more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey guys, are you ready for some money rehab? Wall Street has been completely upended by an unlikely player, GameStop. And should I have a 401k? You don't do it? No, I never. Girl. You think the whole world revolves around you and your money? Well, it doesn't. Charge for wasting our time. I will take a check. Like an old school You recognize her from anchoring on CNN, CNBC, and Bloomberg. The only financial expert you don't need a dictionary to understand. The cold lapin. Yesterday, my amazing real estate broker, Eric, came on the show to tell you the story behind the bizarre reason my rental application was recently rejected. With the current market, what's your latest advice right now that you're giving yeah. folks deciding on renting or buying? Sure. Um, and LA is, is, is a unique market. And a lot of the things that I would advise in LA may not apply if you're living in Nashville or Minneapolis or St. Louis. So take that into consideration, right? Um, LA is a very unique market. This is an international market, international money, um, huge industries. Uh, Hollywood, we spoke about tech is here in a big way. Um, it's just LA is a beast. And so speaking to the LA market, um, it's still um, a seller's market. Inventory is historically low, um, but what we're seeing is that rates are going up. Um, buyers are more informed, more than, are more informed than ever, um, so they know about inventory. There's Compass, there's Zillow, there's Redfin. You know, buyers have access and information, and, and they're following the markets. And so rates are going up. You were already in a pandemic before, so that created all types of anxieties for buyers, but now you add another layer, you know, I guess it's kind of like the third year of like the pandemic essentially, um, or at least a two solid ones. And, you know, adding this interest rate increase anxiety on top of it, what it's doing right now is, you know, the home prices in LA are still, they're holding steady right now and homes are selling faster than they've sold in the pandemic. But I don't think there's going to be the acceleration of the prices. I think that the interest rates going up is going to kind of help the prices kind of stay somewhat flat. I also think that because inventory is so low that, you know, if you're investing, that you're that you're still in a good spot. What I try to do is to talk to people that have been in L.A. for 20 and 30 years. And those people kind of give us the best window into like L.A. real estate. And those people, the prices just don't go down. So it's like get in, hang in there, um, and and invest in places where there's some value. I still think there's some value in LA. Um, you know, there may not be value in West Hollywood, Beverly Hills. Value in terms of upside, you're you're obviously your money is safe there, but you're going to pay you know a higher price per foot there. But there are opportunities in South LA. There's opportunities in the Valley right now where you can you know take advantage of lower prices per foot and kind of be in that next WeHo. 
you know, and, and kind of think ahead. And that's what we try to help our, our clients do is, is how can we get you into a place where it's a home that you love and also where, you know, that there's the opportunity to create some, you know, some equity and some wealth for your family. Well, because it's a seesaw, right? As rates go up, prices are supposed to go down. I mean, you say flat, I guess that would be the equivalent of going down. In LA, that would be the equivalent, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so again, this, the supply, there's no supply in the coal. Like they're historically low. So for every well-priced home, if it's turnkey, in my opinion and experience, there's five or six buyers in LA. And, and, and when I say five or six buyers in LA, I mean, one of those is probably cash. Two of those are financed with, you know, sparkling credit. One of those two that's financed with a conventional loan has, you know, a half a million or a million dollars saved or whatever that is. You can, they can put 50% down and then you get to your conventional buyers who just have a, you know, they're 20%. And then you go to your, you know, FHA and VA folks that have five. So there's, it's, and it's madness in LA and it's, and then that's why even if the prices don't continue to go up, they will kind of continue to, to maintain, you know, kind of that flat level. Which which is fine. Again, over five to seven years, you'll be you'll be in great shape and ten even better. Yeah, I mean, you go to these open houses and it's like they're giving something away. <laughs> I mean. Oh my god, we just listed a property in the Hollywood Hills, um, a really cute two story condo. Um, I've sold four in this development, and we had fifty people at my open house on on Saturday and Sunday. And that's like five years five ago. Days. Not even a thing. I mean, I remember going to open house, they'd have cookies, like you go in, <laughs> you talk, if you have a couple folks, maybe people would, brokers, you tell me, would stress out, are people going to show up? Like any event, right? If I'm hosting a book event, I'm like, oh my God, are people going to show up? Now, forget about it. Like, wear your mask yeah. <laughs> because there's a lot of people in there. There's going to be a lot of people in there. Yeah. So we bring, we have waters and mints for people and like, you know, good luck, refresh, look at the house. Right. And no, cookies. Cookies it's good. Are, no cookies. No cookies. Don't got time cookies to make. Are guns, right? <laughs> the uh, so, cookies are gone. So, yeah. So I obviously bombard you with a bunch of links because of Compass and Zillow, as you say, and Redfin and all of the places that are available to consumers. Like, Back in the day, the multiple listings used to be for brokers only. And that's why you need a broker because you wouldn't have access to that. So now that's been democratized. Why then should people think about working with a broker versus doing it themselves? It's essential. You you, you really need to work with an agent. Um, So in L.A., you know, you're aware of a house that hits the market. Uh, What's harder for you to do is to price that listing. How much should you pay for that listing? And then once you know how much you know you should pay for it, Eric, how do I beat these five to seven other buyers uh, with terms? So you need to understand how to draft a contract, how to write a contract, how to strategically position yourself to actually get into the house. And then once you're in the house, well, how do I make sure that the house, how do I kick the tires on the house? So inspections, who do I call? How do I make sure I'm not buying a lemon? We help you with that. Um, Eric, I want to buy a house. I have all this money, but I want a loan. Um, we, you know, institutional banks are kind of tricky right now because the rates are going up. And in some cases they don't want to honor, um, um, uh, you know, their rates and they play games. We work with some of the best lenders in the country with hundred percent closing rates. So if you get a loan with our people that we know, you, you, I mean, if you get approved with our people, you're going to get closed. So there's, yes, you know, that a house is for sale, but that's not enough. And so that I'm, I'm glad that you asked that question. Um, because that is the value that agents provide now, even though that the consumers know a house is there, you gotta, you gotta be able to get it. And then you gotta be able to know how to close it. And then for sellers, you see all these prices, but 
the price that you listed for is not the price that you ultimately want, right? So in many cases in LA in particular, we, the homes are listed well under their market value. And then the agents help the sellers actually extract that market value. That is a very sophisticated thing and a technique and a skill. Um, and unless you have an excellent agent, you're not going to be able to get the top dollar for your listing. Yeah, because you don't have access to the comps like you have. Like, even though the multiple listings has been opened up, you're the only one that could pull those comps. We have to analyze it, right? Like, it's it's like you can, it's complex, right? Why does one house, why is one house a comp and not another? And and, and which ones are the best comps? Which comps are, are is, is the market going to agree with? Which comps are the agents going to agree with? And you need to have experience to do that. A seller can't pull up the internet and say, oh, yeah, my health is worth X. There's a lot that goes into it. So we help our clients do that. Yeah. We just had an auto broker on the show, too. And just like that, it's not that you pay their fees. The banks pay them. So you're not paying extra to have this help, just to clarify. Oh, that's absolutely correct. So with this current market, what advice would you give people who are ready to put an offer in for a house? I think that real estate is one of the great ways to, to generate wealth, create family wealth. Um, I think that, um, you know, I think buying a house, you know, can, can, can cause some anxiety, but in my experience working with, you know, I'll use first time buyers because those are people who haven't bought before. I, 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 they, my, my clients are so happy that they like, they, that they jump off the ledge. They're so happy. Right. It's like, there was, Oh, Eric, I actually, this morning I was just meeting with the client. This is such a great. So I met with a client. She's amazing. Um, we, we did her first deal. She was buying in the Hollywood Hills, a cute little condo. And she was like, Eric, I'm going to be poor. I'm going to be eating ramen noodles. She was, a, she does well. She's a banker. We bought, got her little condo for, I think it was like six thirty, right? We sold it. I think two years later for eight twenty five, and she bought her dream house in the Hollywood Hills for like a million, three million, four. And that you just have to get that first one and that will unlock so many things for you. So I would say if you're thinking about buying a home, you know, consult with professionals, obviously, of course, get a great lender, get a great real estate agent. And if you've got your money saved um, and in your rest of your portfolio, whatever you're doing, investment wise is sound for your future. Real estate is a great way to start uh, generating additional wealth. And if you're in L.A., I don't think there's a better place to buy real estate right now um, with all due respect to Miami and all the other crypto bros going to Puerto Rico and wherever they're going. I think LA is the place to be. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we're not sinking anytime soon, right? Uh, Not to my knowledge. Hopefully not. Hold on to your wallets, boys and girls. Money Rehab will be right back. Now for some more Money Rehab. Uh, So if you can't afford an asking price, do you think it's even worth applying? Uh, I think you should make offers in good faith, right? So you don't want to be making offers in homes you can't afford, if I'm understanding your question, right? Um, um, but, but so you want to like, you know, understand kind of where the market is and like what the, the market value is for the house, even if it's listed under, you know, it, it like say, for example, let's just use another easy number. If it's listed at 800 and your agent tells you it's worth a million and you're only approved at 900, you know, maybe that's one to shy away from, but also, um, you can, you know, think of terms to maybe make your offer stronger. There's a number of things that you can do. Um, that's not just price sellers want, you know, a, a great price is one of the things a seller wants. Uh, there are other things that they want in terms of certainty of closing, um, removing contingencies that you can do to make your offer stronger. So, right. That's um, what I mean. So like, let's oh. say you were approved for 
you know, 900 or 850 and you fell in love with a $1 million house, like, Mm -hmm. should you still go after it and put in a lower offer? And then what are some of those sweeteners that can make you more attractive that aren't price related? Yeah. So some of the things that you can do to sweeten your offer, if you can only go so much on price would be shortening your contingencies firstly. So Typically in a contract here in LA, there are three con- con- contingencies that people really talk about and that are material. Uh, that's your inspection contingency. Um, the, the, the standard time is 17 days during the pandemic. At last year, we'd gotten down to like, uh, the first year of the pandemic was like, okay, 14 to 12 days. Um, last year, it was like uh, 12 to 10. And this year, it's like five to seven for inspections. So we're doing them faster. That's what sellers are expecting. The appraisal contingency is one that sellers would like to see removed. An appraisal is where your lender will send out uh, an independent appraiser to come put their valuation on the property, and they you want it to either meet or exceed your contract price. Um, and if it doesn't meet or exceed the contract price, buyers typically can cancel, or um, they can negotiate you know a, a price adjustment with the seller. Sellers don't want to do price adjustments right now, so that's another thing you can consider removing the appraisal contingency. And the third one. And this would only be recommended for people that are highly qualified. So let's say you're someone like Nicole and you have great credit and you have, you know, great savings. Um, and um, your your loan is maybe, let's say it's already partially underwritten and you're just waiting for a property to be identified. Um, as long as we felt good about all the other factors, let's say it's a turnkey property and we love the price, you could consider removing your loan contingency. What that does is make your offer almost as good as cash. Um, and that's the best position you can be in as a cash buyer. Um, and so, uh, removing or shortening your inspection contingency, which is again, we only do only do that with the advice of, of under the advice of an excellent agent, and then removing your appraisal contingency potentially, and then removing a loan contingency are the three things that you can do that aren't price related to make your offer stronger. So, removing a loan contingency is just fancy verbiage for paying in cash. No, it, it, no, because paying in cash is actually, hey, I have my proof of funds. This is here's my offer. Here's my $1 million in, in my bank, and I'm a cash buyer. I can close in 14 days. Removing the, the loan contingency is, hey, I have um, you know, $350 saved, and I have my 20% down payment on this million-dollar house. Um, and my offer would be subject to me getting a loan commitment, but I'm removing that because I have all the savings. My credit's great. And I'm already partially underwritten. And essentially, this commitment that should come in two to three weeks is a formality. So I'm willing to shift that risk onto myself and remove the loan contingency. So it's like cash, but not cash because I don't have that million dollars in the bank. I have my 350. I'm just removing my ability to cancel the deal if I weren't able to get a loan in three weeks. Got it. So if you can't, you're putting the onus on yourself. You can get what penalized fine you could have to pay great something? question <laughs> yeah. you go to timeout no it's, it, there's a in, in our contracts here there's what's called a liquidated damages provision which caps the damages if you default uh to three percent of the contract price okay so that three percent here in LA, you put that initial 3% into escrow within the first three days that you open escrow. So that money is already there. And let's say that you removed uh, your loan contingency in this hypothetical and you get to day 21 
and you don't have a loan contingency. And you know what? Like Nicole was referencing, LA sinks and banks don't want to do loans here on houses. Well, you removed your loan contingency. You have to buy. Your damages are limited to that 3%. So um, that's So you don't get that back. 3%. You don't get that back in this case if you default. That's right. That's right. That's right. And then the appraisal... Um, an inspection stuff is just like, you hope there's no termites. Right. Yeah. You hope there's no termites. You hope that the fireplace isn't, you know, you have a lot of 1920 houses out here and people build fireplaces and then nobody goes in them until they're about to sell or buy a house. And so a lot of times the things that are surprises with inspections are fireplaces. um, Like what's in there? Well, like the the, the brick starts to, no, worse. Like the brick starts to crack, the mortar is cracking, you know, structural, you know, a fireplace is a major structural component of a house. If it's, if it's uh, defective, that could be a big ticket item, a foundation. So it's the hidden things with inspections that you kind of worry about. And that's part of the risk of, you know, whether or not to remove an inspection contingency or not. Typically you want to keep that inspection contingency in there, shortening it. You can move quickly get it done right away. Five days here is plenty of time. So we always like to keep that inspection contingency in there because we need to kick a tire, to kick the tires on the house. The appraisal contingency is one where is I would say is most easily removed here because their home prices have been going up consistently or being steady, right? And so that is the least risky of the contingencies that people are removing. Yeah, that makes sense as another sweetener because, I mean, knowingly or unknowingly, if the owner had some sketchy thing going on with the fireplace, then they would be out a lot of money. I don't know, tens of thousands of dollars potentially to fix that. So if you're removing that, you eat that cost. But then that's on that's on you. And all this stuff, just as a reminder, can be so expensive. It can be. Right. So, you know, we make these decisions on a case by case basis. Right. And so you start with what type of house are we dealing with? Is this a brand new house, new construction? Are there warranties already in place? Is there reason to believe that the house is in near perfect condition? Is this house from 1950 um, was and a, a, a fixer? Um, and so, in the former case, you 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 would be more comfortable shortening your inspection contingency or maybe re- removing some things. Or, um, but on the case where the house is a little bit older, you want to be very careful because that's where you know things tend to break down over time. And so. There isn't a one. There isn't one answer for folks, uh, you know, that are entering the real estate market. Um, it's kind of a, an analysis that we do, um, and we guide them case by case basis. But these are kind of some of the things that we're toggling, you know, um, on each deal. For today's tip, you can take straight to the bank. When I apply for apartments, I include a letter. is a production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host, Nicole Lappin. Our producers are Morgan Lavoie and Mike Coscarelli. Executive producers are Nikki Etor and Will Pearson. Our mascots are Penny and Mimsy. Huge thanks to OG Money Rehab team Michelle Lands for her development work, Catherine Law for her production and writing magic, and Brandon Dickert for his editing, engineering, and sound design. And as always, thanks to you for finally investing in yourself so that you can get it together and get it all. You spend my money, money, money.